2,000 years ago, right? What happened? Jesus conquered Satan, sin, and death. He gave his life on the cross as a ransom for many, and three days later, he rose from the dead. And that makes Resurrection Day, Easter Sunday, the most important day uh, on, the, on the, the earthly calendar, most important day in all of human history. Why? Because the person of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross, through him we have access to God and we have access to heaven. And that's the theme of our, of our message today, title of our, of our sermon today, it's all access. Now, as a culture, we understand all access, Right? Uh, the different things you can get an all-access pass for. If you go down to Disneyland and you give them a kidney, I think it is, or a liver maybe, I don't know uh, what it is now, but for a kidney or a liver, you can get an all-access pass down there and, uh, and you can enjoy that. Uh, if you're Wayne and Garth and you have connections, you can get an all-access pass to an Alice Cooper concert. Uh, there's that, you got that going on. Um, Brenda and I, I, we were celebrating our 25th anniversary, and I wanted to make a big deal of it. This is about eight years ago. Um, yeah, yeah, we're going on 34 years now, but um, I, think, I think it's going to work out. I think I got her straightened out. It's all, it's all good. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to make a big deal of our 25th anniversary because I had blown our 24th anniversary. I actually forgot about it. Um, guys, not a good thing, all right? That's one of the things we'll teach you at the tactical conference, not to forget your anniversary. But, um, <laughs> but I want to make a big deal of it. So I was taking her to Europe. We, we were going to Rome. We were going to take a cruise, Mediterranean cruise, and it was going to be awesome. And we're about three days away from, from, from leaving the country, and some friends of ours asked me to officiate a wedding. They, they had some friends that had come in from Italy, um, and, uh, and he, the groom, uh, uh, an Italian citizen, his wife, an American citizen. And they, in fact, had already been married in Italy, but she wanted to do a ceremony here stateside for her family. So, hey, P- PT, can you come over? Can you do the wedding service uh, for them? I said, sure, I'll do it. So I go up to their house, and I officiate their wedding, and the bride says to me when the services are over, she says, hey, if you're ever in Rome, you should look us up. And I said, well, funny thing you should mention that. We're going to be there in three weeks. Turns out her husband is the cinematographer for the Pope, and we got an all-access tour. We got there to, to the Vatican to go see the Sistine Chapel and all this stuff, and the line is like a quarter mile down the street, and she goes, oh, no, no, come on, and we just go around back right up to where the Swiss guards are, and her husband just escorts us right through, and, you know, we're in places where, where all the ropes are and everybody's on that side. We got to go on this. It was an amazing thing, totally providential, all access. Well, the theme all access for us today here on Easter Sunday, it comes from 1 Peter 3.18. Let me put the scripture up on the screen for you. Here's what it says. It says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. Now that phrase, to bring you safely home to God, this lies at the heart of our message today. In the Greek, it's a compound word, prosago, and and here's what it means. It It means to bring forth unto. And the idea is simply that Jesus came to open a way of access for us uh, to heaven and to bring us to God. In other words, Jesus came to give us an all-access pass to God. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. 
It doesn't matter what you failed to do. It doesn't matter, you know, about the life that you've lived. If you think, well, I'm not worthy enough to come to God. You know, I got to do some stuff to clean my life up before I come to God. No, it, it isn't about that. Cleaning, cleaning your life up enough to be accepted by God is like, you know, washing yourself clean before you go take a bath, right? You don't have to do that because in the person and the work of Christ, our sins are cleansed. Our sins are forgiven as we receive his free gift of salvation. It's not about what you've earned. It's not about a past that you can't change. It's the simple truth that there is a God in heaven who loves you so much that he gave his son to set you free of sin, to set you free of guilt and shame. And he gives you, he gives me all access to himself, to relationship with him, and to all of eternity. Jesus Christ said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now that's the good news. That's what we're going to be focusing on here today. And when we're done today, I'm going to pray And I'm going to give to you an invitation to receive the free gift of salvation. What do you do when somebody purchases you an amazing gift? What's your duty? What's your responsibility in that? All you have to do is to receive it. And so today, before we're done, I'm going to give you an invitation to receive the free gift of salvation, which is what we celebrate here on Easter Sunday. And, and, you know, and, and, I want you to understand when I give that invitation, a lot of times I'll give an invitation to people to receive salvation, to receive forgiveness. And sometimes people will tell me that they're reluctant to receive salvation. They're reluctant to be forgiven of their sins. Um, really, you know, the promise is that God will make you a new creation, that old things will be passed away, and he'll make all things new. And people are afraid to, to respond and say, okay, I want to receive that free gift, because in their heads, they're thinking, I don't want to be a hypocrite. And I know the stuff that I got going on, and I don't think I can change. And I don't want to make that commitment, and then all of a sudden, not really be able to fulfill that commitment, that would make me a hypocrite. And here's what I tell people, here's what I will tell you. Listen, that's part of being a new creation. The change isn't what you have to make before you come to Christ. It's what Christ does in you when you surrender to him. And so if you come openly and honestly to the Lord, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And a confession is just, a, a, you know, just an honest, yep, that's me, that's the ABCs of me. And if you come to the Lord and you just say, listen, God, I, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need forgiveness and I would like to be changed. I think I'm powerless to change myself, but I trust that you can change me. And, and I'm, so I'm just gonna come to you as I am. Listen, Jesus cleans his fish after he gets them in the boat. All right, and, and so it's a matter of just trusting in him, in the person and the work of Christ who, who paid the penalty for your sin on the cross and promises you that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it, that when you come to him, he will do the cleaning, he will do the changing in your life. <clears throat> so that's the good news, and that's what we're going to be focusing on. That's the invitation that you're going to receive. But before we focus on the good news, We have to first understand the bad news. Now, (laughs) the bad news is the reason that you and I desperately need that all-access pass, okay? We, we, We see this reason summarized really in three key truths here in this one simple verse of, of uh, 
1 Peter 3.18. We see here sin, we see suffering, and we see separation. Now, the first key truth is sin, right? Jesus paid for our sins, right? And the word sin in the Greek, it's the word hamartia. And, and here's what it means. It means to miss the mark. It's an archery term. If you've ever partaken, played, you know, archery, uh, shot an arrow, if you've ever played, uh, you know, darts where you're going for the bullseye, you understand missing the mark. The point is to hit the bullseye. And the implication is, is that you can miss without really wanting to. Everything in you can want to hit that bullseye. But you don't always hit the bullseye, right? And that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that all have sinned, Romans 3.23, and come short of the glory of God. That includes you. That includes me. That includes your mom. That includes, you know, anybody who you see as a holy figure or, a, or as, as, a, as a righteous person. You know, Mother Teresa, she's a sinner. Uh, the Pope is a sinner, right? Billy Graham was a, was a sinner. These, these are people that, that we might revere as being holy, righteous people, but everybody is a sinner. All have sinned, and that word all means all, every last one. And so if you're alive, if you can fog a mirror, you have sinned. And that's a big problem because the Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. Wages of sin is death. Think about that. Wages. What happens? You work all week. It's payday. You say, pay me my wages. What are you saying? You're saying, pay me what I've earned, right? And the Bible says what you have earned because of sin is death. Now, this is a physical death, ultimately, and this is also speaks of a spiritual death, an eternal separation from God. And that's the thing, is we need to understand that sin brings death to every part of our life. Sin brings death to every part of our life. It's evident in the death of relationships, <coughs> in the death of careers. It's evident in the death of relationships, of reputations. It's, it's evident uh, in the, you know, it brings death. Sin brings death to the peace in our homes. Uh, it brings death to marriages. It brings death to families. <coughs> Sin brings guilt. It brings shame. It brings burdens. This is, by the way, one of the reasons why drug use and alcohol use is so prevalent in our society. Because people have burdens. People want escape. They just want to get some sort of, a, of relief. And so, so the, the thought of being able to take something that will anesthetize me to the reality of life that I'd rather not face, to the burdens that I'd rather not suffer through, this is... Uh, this is one of those things that, that people turn to substances for, to numb them from. Some of you here today, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I just need some escape. And this is the reason for the second key truth in, in 1 Peter 3, uh, 18. It's suffering. Sin brings suffering. Sin is inextricably linked to suffering. Because ultimately, the effects of sin, guys, the effects of sin, it brings suffering, it brings pain into our life. Listen, it's been said that sin is pleasurable for a season. And it's true. Sin is tempting because it's pleasurable. And it's, it's pleasurable in part because sin is a counterfeit. Satan is a master counterfeiter. And, it, and basically, sin is a shortcut. He basically says, oh, you want that? I'll give it to you this way. And, it, and it's a shortcut. 
and, and it's really not the right way. It's really not the right thing. It's just sweetly packaged, promising life. But, it, but it's, you know, sin is pleasurable for a season, but the season's always too short and the bill is always too high. And, and this, is, this is the problem. And, and so Satan, he promises us life, promises us freedom, but in the end, what he brings is suffering and bondage and death. And this is why the Bible tells pastors like me this. Second uh, Timothy 2, 25 and 26, this is Paul, the apostle, talking to Timothy, a pastor who he's discipling, and, and it's God's word, it's God's eternal word, so this is for all pastors. Here's what he tells us. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts, and they will learn the truth, and then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do Whatever he wants. Let me ask you a question. Does that describe you today? That, that, you, that, that you've been sold a bill of goods and, and what you thought would bring freedom actually brought bondage and, and maybe, you know, you've, you've, been, you've been duped. You, you, you've been deceived. And, and maybe you come here this morning and you're thinking, man, I was expecting something different. I was expecting in this season in my life I'd be someplace different. I was expecting that it would turn out differently. I'm disappointed. Let me tell you the truth. There have been hundreds of people praying for you all week. Do you know that? Hundreds of people have been praying and fasting for the message for this weekend. Why? Because they know that I'm going to try to be obedient to the Lord to gently instruct you who, who maybe have been living a life in opposition to the truth. And, and I'm asking, hey, listen, God, change people's hearts. Open their eyes. Cause them to learn the truth. And, and cause cause people to really come to their senses spiritually. And sometimes the things of the Spirit, they're, they're, they're foolishness to our flesh. That's what the Bible says. But, you know, God is the one who changes people's hearts. He's the one who reveals himself. And I don't have to sell you anything this morning, and it's not my intention to sell you one single thing. I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. I'm going to tell you who God is. And I'm going to let his word out. It's been said, you know, that you, the, the word of God is, is, you know, you just let the lion out of the cage and you go let the lion do what he's going to do, you know. And, and I'm just letting the lion out of the cage, but I know. Right now I know God speaking, God moving, God working. And I don't have to tell you anything. I trust and know that God himself through the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, speaking to your mind. And so maybe it's your heart that needs to be changed this week. Maybe it's your mind that needs to be changed today. Maybe God right now is revealing himself to you. That's what I'm praying for. Here's the worst part about sin. The worst part about sin is that it brings separation. It brings separation. That's the third key truth of our text. See, the Bible says it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Isaiah the prophet said this. I was having a conversation with a brother here at the church. He's a, he's a tradesman. I, I need some work done at my house, so I hired him to come do some work. And he was telling me the testimony of his life. Just an, an absolute crazy testimony. This, this brother, when, when he was growing up, he had a horribly abusive father. And some, some of you grew up with abusive fathers. His, his father... Um, <laughs> You look in the dictionary under horribly abusive father and this guy's dad's name was probably in there. I mean, it, this guy would, would beat him on a daily basis. 
Um, I mean, really horrible, like push him through doors. Uh, he told me one story where his dad pushed him through a door and was, was just a young kid and, and was, start, was laying on top of him, choking him out, and he had a cigarette in his mouth and he was flicking hot ashes in his face and basically said, I could kill you right now. And, and, and this was his daily experience. He said, he, and he, it wasn't just for him, he was an equal opportunity abuser. He regularly beat his mom. And uh, he said he saw it one time, you know, on multiple occasions, but one time in particular, he watched his father knock his mother out cold. And, and so he's telling me this, and, and it, my heart's just breaking for this guy's upbringing and just a tragic story. Well, what happened was he grew up to a certain age where he was able just to get out of the house. He just bailed from that toxic situation and, uh, and bailed from his father. And tragically, a couple of years later, his father took his own life. Now, um, he's telling me this story, but then he tells me this, that by God's grace, this young man who grew up in such an abusive home, and, all of, and he grew up, you can imagine, you're growing up in that environment, how you might turn out. And all of his friends basically said, dude, we thought you were going to be dead or in jail just by who you were and where you were on the track that you were on, but God got a hold of his life. And he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ changed him. And so he's telling me his testimony. And he, and he tells me this. He says, I was reading in the Bible. And I was in the book of Ephesians. And all of a sudden it became crystal clear what my father was going through. Here's the verse that he shared with me. Ephesians 2.12. This is Paul talking to the Ephesian church. And he tells them this. He says, in those days you were living apart from Christ. Now he's talking to a bunch of Christians just like us. Just a, a church assembly just like us. He sends them this letter. And he's basically reminding them of who they used to be before they gave their lives to Jesus. And he says, you know, in those days, when, before you gave Jesus Christ, you know, made him the, the Lord of your life and surrendered to his lordship, you were living apart from Christ. He says, you were excluded from citizenship among the people of God, and you did not know the covenant promises that God had made to them. Listen, he says, you lived in this world without God, and here it is, without hope. And my friend telling me this story about his testimony about his father, he says the light bulb went on. He goes, I just realized that my father was a miserably tormented man because he was separated from God, because he was separated from God's people. He was living without God, and he was living without hope, and so he was miserable. Didn't have God, didn't have his promises, and he had no hope. Let me ask you a question. Does that sort of describe you today? Maybe you're not horribly abusive, but maybe today you're living without God. You're living without his promises, and really, you're living without hope. And I want to tell you, there is hope. That's what we celebrate Easter Sunday. That's what it's all about. We can have hope, and we can have the peace of God. The Bible says when we are justified by faith, trusting in Jesus Christ by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that in Jesus Christ, we also have access by faith into God's grace and into his hope. My friend, that is the good news of Easter. That's the good news of Easter. We have access by faith into grace and hope. And I want you just to know that down deep in your soul today. Because although this life is filled with sin and suffering and separation, we have a Savior who came to take away our sin, came to take away our suffering upon himself, and he came to give us all access to God. 
The Bible says, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ Jesus. Our proof text today in a different version, the SV version, says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous, Jesus being righteous, us being unrighteous, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit. Now, why on earth would God do this? Why would he do this? One word, love, love. God loves you. The Bible says that God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You remember the famous scene, Jesus hanging on the cross. They've beaten the snot out of him and he's hanging there and he's dying this this horribly painful death. We use the word excruciating pain. The word excruciating actually means out of the cross. That's the definition of the word excruciating. We get it from crucifixion. And Jesus, while he's hanging there, what's he say? He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It's absolutely incredible the way the nails were driven through his, his, his hands and actually literally in his wrists there. It runs the, through a nerve, right? And the way you hang on a cross, it stretches out your diaphragm so you can't breathe. And so in order to take in a breath, and you have to take in a breath to speak, right? Obviously you have to take in breath to live. But in order for Jesus to say the words, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, he had to pull down on those nails causing the most excruciating, ner- hitting those nerves. And if you ever hit your elbow and it puts fire all through your hands, it's, 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 it's that times a thousand. And that's what Jesus went through. Listen, he did that. He demonstrates his love for us. While we're, and he, he didn't do that because we went, oh, God, have mercy on us. He did that for a group of people and vicariously for us 2,000 years later who were smocking him or spitting in his face. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He demonstrates his love for us in that way. Listen, God loves you. He loves you so much, he gave his only begotten son. John 3, 16, God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him wouldn't perish, but would have everlasting life. This is the heart of God. The Bible says that God desires that none should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. The Bible says that there is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man, (laughs) Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. He's a mediator, one who intervenes between two to make or to restore peace and friendship. That's what a mediator is. Do you have peace with God? Do you have friendship with God? Because you can have it today. You can have it today by faith. Here's what the Bible says. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? This is what Zach was talking about in worship. (coughs) If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but he gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. Get this. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. That means Jesus right now, this very moment, is at the right hand of the throne of God. And he is praying for you by name right now. Maybe you've wandered. Maybe you think it's too late. Maybe you think you've done too much. 
But the Bible says neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us, here it is, from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what do we do with that, friends? What do we do in response to that? Just that, we respond. We respond. We receive the gift of salvation that God has offered to us in Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to pray. And I'm going to give you an invitation to respond, to receive the salvation that Jesus died to purchase for you, to receive forgiveness of your sins, to give to you a clean slate, to give you a do-over, to make you a new creation in Christ. But before I do, let me just quickly say this. I want to talk to you for a minute. If you're here and you think, well, uh, this message is for somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus. I actually believe in Jesus. Or, hey, I even said the prayer. Let me just talk to you for a minute if, if you're thinking along those lines. The writer of Hebrews says this. We must listen very carefully to the truth that we have heard or we may drift away from it. That phrase, drift away, literally it means to glide by or to slide by. And let me illustrate it this way. When I was a kid... I grew up down at the beach. We, we, we lived a mile from the beach, and I, I spent, you know, all the time there. All my family rem- memories as a kid are being down at the beach. And, you know, you go down there, and you get a little bit older. You ride your bike down there. You throw your towel out. You throw your, your, your sunglasses out. And, and you know, you, you, you go in. You're, you're surfing or you're, you're boogie boarding or whatever it is. And one day I went down there. I was there for hours. I was in the water just catching wave after wave after wave. And I finally came on shore, and I went somebody stole all my stuff. It's all gone. Somebody stole it. And then I realized nobody stole my stuff. My stuff hadn't moved. I'd moved. I drifted. I drifted right on down the beach, and I came up in a different spot. Now, what did I need to do at that point? I needed to turn, and I needed to walk back to my stuff. We have a fancy Christian word for that. It's called repentance. simply means to turn. And maybe here today, you've drifted. Maybe you started off in a place where you said, hey, I believe, I believe in Jesus. But you drifted away from that, and your life doesn't reflect that at all. Let me tell you, you just need to turn. It's been said, no matter how far you've walked away from God, it only takes one step to return to him. Why is that? Because God is chasing after you, that's why. Listen to what Ezekiel the prophet said. He said, for this is what (coughs) the sovereign Lord says. This is God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel. This is what God says. I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. I will search for my lost ones who strayed away, and I will bring them safely home again. All access. I will bandage the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. Let me ask you, do you need to come home to God today? Have you wandered? Have you drifted away? Jesus says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He's here today. He's here right now. And I wonder if you hear him knocking on your heart.